Hello and welcome to the Blends Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ruff, and today we're diving into a crucial but often overlooked aspect of running an independent garage and one which, when managed effectively, results in less stress all around. Sound good? Well, let's get straight into it and welcome on Jennifer Webb of HR Vitals to talk human resources. Jennifer, how are you? Thanks for coming on. I'm really good. I'm good, thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me here today. You had an incredibly packed out audience at The Blend last year, but for those that perhaps didn't make it to the conference, we should explain that you provide HR services specifically tailored for the needs of independent garage owners. You established HR Vitals in 2018, having crossed paths with your now husband, Mark Webb of Parkside Garage in... We're going to say 2016, right, Jennifer? Yeah, it's a bit of a running joke that I can't remember the exact date. I have to check with him usually. But I I always remember HR Vital started in 2018. That date always sticks. I think I'm the first person to put my hand up as a HR person and say I am in the automotive industry in the aftermarket. I couldn't find anybody else doing it when I started doing it. Now, I'm sure you're going to tell us otherwise, but HR sounds incredibly time consuming. I'm sure it does for many of our listeners. Why should garages invest in HR? I love that you said that, actually, because I would say it's the complete opposite. If So if people think HR is time consuming, it's the complete opposite. It's about saving you time. Um, and for me, it's hugely about reducing the stress for the garage owner, which then has a ricochet and there's then less stressful for the staff. And just something as simple as that, getting that right, could mean that your staff stay. Whereas if you never address a problem like that, that could be what eventually pushes them out of your business because they're just sick of the pressure of comebacks. Every garage is different. That's what I've really noticed. That they're all their own little bubbles of um, culture, atmosphere, what it feels like to work there, what they're doing well, what they need to improve on. So it's about tuning into, and this is what I was talking about, the blend. You've really got to tune into what's going on under your own roof. That should be your main priority. People are spending a lot of time looking at what other garages are doing, which is great. But my advice would be to shrink that down a little bit and spend just slightly more time looking at what's going on under your own business. You mentioned staff retention there. It's obviously better that your staff don't leave in the first instance. So I guess the first rule of HR is to retain good staff. It's less stressful. It's cost effective to keep your staff. It's good for morale. This is the staff that are right for the business. If somebody's not right for the business or if it's just a natural you know, retirement or something, moving away, things like that, it's fine. That's a healthy exit. Some people might not be aware of is that there's some research into um, believing that quitting is contagious and that if an employee leaves, there's some research that um, the first around 40 days after that employee leaving, you're kind of at like a, a medium risk for somebody else leaving and then it peaks after um, 10 weeks. So at 10 weeks after someone leaving, when the employer could have moved on, be thinking about other things, what could be bubbling underneath that is that actually that your technicians still talking to the one that's left, asking what it's like at this new place. And they're getting kind of insider information that you wouldn't know through just a recruitment process. And if they're going, oh, yeah, it's amazing, come over. 
then they spend time thinking right logistically what would it look like if I left have a conversation with their partner that's really you know a big part in somebody deciding if they're going to leave tools pet you know and then they're waiting to see how that person's getting on and if you're not doing the best you can as an employer there's going to be a shiny light that's going to attract their attention so that's apart from all the obvious things of um, why you want to keep your staff that's probably the one thing that people may not be aware of so is that something that's happening within this industry yes and I would add on to that um, I've started naming a few things as a boomerang garage um, where employees leave um, and then they may have the quitting is contagious and another person leaves but they come back um, and I think what's happening there with a boomerang garage, the staff may not realise how good they've got it. And there's another garage that's saying, come to us, we're better, pay you more, all of these lovely things. And then the staff leave. And then after a little while, they realise that actually they had it better where they were. So then they want to come back. I think the problem that's happening there is that the garage owners aren't proactively showing that they're a good place to work they're almost being too low-key about it that's quite a, a theme a problem that I see amongst garages and I think the extension of that is that a, a garage owner doesn't realize something that they're doing is great and they should pat themselves on the back because for them they just think it's just being respectful or just common sense or just being you know assuming it's basic that everybody does it um, so yes, I'm seeing a little bit of the quitting is contagious um, and uh, a bit of the boomerang garage happening as well. The grass isn't always greener. Yeah, it? exactly. They won't entertain going and working somewhere else, especially technicians, if they're happy where they are. We're doing both sides. We're doing the recruitment and the HR. So we're trying to get you staff and we want them to stay. So we, we see all sides of it. But you, you can attract, you can catch people's attention. You can say, oh, just give us 10 minutes of your time. Listen to what it's like here. Um, but they it won't be a success unless the recruitment process matches what they can expect. If you're doing, um, saying all these things that's amazing about coming to work for you, and then you don't deliver, they're going you they're going back, they're gonna boomerang back to their uh previous employer or go elsewhere. So what can garages do to retain staff? I always come back to you've got to be asking your staff what do they want. I think it's always thought it's mad to make a decision that impacts an employee without talking to them about it. And not talking to them about, of, I've made this decision, this is what's happening. I like to encourage having conversations with them at the ideas stage when it's developing, brewing. This is what we're thinking about doing. What are your thoughts? What are you interested in? Um, and then they walk with you as you get to where you're going and you are running things past them. And they then feel more involved, more invested. It just creates much nicer um, work environment. It feels more like a team. You need to be looking at a retention strategy. That's when you're really getting into what are we doing? How proactive are we? Or And generally we say, well, look at how much it costs to recruit somebody. That's your budget to keep people. Because um, one way or another, you're going to end up spending that money. So if it costs you four grand to recruit, that's how much you spend on retention. Um, it's a general rule. So that would be for those that really want to 
go more detail, more in depth. They need to be looking at what are we proactively doing on a daily basis, weekly, monthly and annually to be keeping their staff. Are we reviewing what we did last year? Did we do anything last year? Or are we just hoping that a Christmas bonus and a Christmas piss up is going to do the job? Are we, you know, how much are we actually investing and how confident are we in what we're doing? Or have we just seen a few garages do it and we think that's going to be right? So it's really tuning into what's our mission? Where are we going? Do our staff match this? And we're building a bit of a structure that I've just um, referred to as the ad structure. And it's just ADD, ask, discuss, deliver. You have got to deliver. This is where some people are falling down. So they're asking, they may be doing surveys or they're checking in with their staff. They may have a bit of a chat about it um, when they're working on the tools, but they may not be delivering. And if you do not deliver, your staff will stop asking and then they leave. So you have got to, and if you need to be building up your confidence, just be doing tiny things. Find out, do they want a coffee machine? What do they, you know, do they need new work shoes? What do they think of the uniform? Things that you can't really get wrong um, and you're just showing to them, look, I'm listening, talk to me, tell me, and then we will discuss it and then we will deliver. Why might a technician be looking elsewhere for a job? The reason that we hear the most um, is their relationship with their employer which is a really hard factor or bit of findings to look at. Um, and, you know, it, it's you may have heard people say they don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad bosses. Um, it's, you know, the HR and recruitment in general, there is an understanding that if an employee does not have a good relationship with their boss, if they do not feel comfortable, that will be the biggest push factor out of the business. Then you've got other things like, um, especially coming from main dealer to independent, we're hearing a lot of, I just felt like a number. I want to be somewhere where I'm treated as a person. I'm part of the team. There's so much of the people factor that makes a massive impact. And another reason, main reason, which is slightly controversial, is bonus schemes. We again and again are just seeing bonus schemes causing loads of problems of people wanting to leave or they're coming to a garage that doesn't have bonus schemes because that's one of the most attractive qualities about that business. So it's about really looking at what is your relationship like with your employee? How much pressure are you putting um, them under? Um, you've got to find the sweet spot between being profitable for the business, but remembering that if you if it's relentless for your staff, they will leave. Um, commute time that's um, comes up quite a lot. But what we've also found is if they love everything else about the place, they will do the commute, and then we can do things um, to be more flexible to accommodate. And then obviously pay is important, but everybody's going to work for money we want to you know have a good pay but it's all of these other factors that um, influence them choosing where they're going for that pay what if you're the garage that's potentially employing someone who's leaving another workshop now when it comes to the interview stage you want to be tapping into what initiated them leaving where they are what's their push factor and then you need to be having an honest conversation about if you actually have the solution so if they're saying I mean for a really blatant basic example if they're saying that they're leaving where they are because they're always gonna they keep asking them to do MOT tests 
and you know that actually you're going to be doing the same, it's, you know it's not going to be a good match. You're asking for somebody to leave and then you've got that whole ricochet in the business. So then you have to have that conversation and then thinking, right, can they come in and never need MOTs or do we just have that conversation? If it's commute time, having a conversation about that, are they bored? Do they not like somebody that they're working with? Do they want to be working on something more fancy? Do they want to be more traditional mechanic? Really tuning into what do they want? That's the most important thing. And then seeing if it's a good match. That's the... Most And there's a, one of the old rules of HR is that um, the first six months of an employee's time with the company is the most important. If you can get that right and they get what they expected and you build that relationship, they're happy, you've got good longevity with them being with the company. The whole recruitment process is so often cited as one of, if not the biggest, challenges for independent garages, such as the so-called skill shortage that garages are potentially having to poach staff from other workshops. It's not a particularly nice situation to be in, but what's your advice here for businesses? Yeah, we always like to ask, what garages do you have a good relationship with? And we think it's not worth trying to poach their staff to be frank um that that relationship having a good relationship with another independence more important um if it's main dealer i don't feel the same um and i think it depends on where the garage is you know are they out in the sticks have they got a nice community area can they be um getting the attention that way so for us a Facebook advert, well, it wasn't even an advert, it was a Facebook post, it was a competition, like and share this. And it had an insane, like I was thinking, right, if it just had 50 shares, I'll feel like I've done a good job. It was over 400. I couldn't believe it, I nearly fell off my chair. I was thinking, Christ. And, but it's partly a reflection of where we are. But to come back to garages and which ones, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because it, recruitment is effectively competition. That's what that's what's happening. And you've got to decide, am I willing to go into competition with that garage that I've got a good relationship with? And also being aware that there may be a garage that you know has an awful reputation, but there might be some poor technician there that's just desperate for a good place to work. We see that quite a lot. And they haven't been developed. They haven't had training. They haven't had exposure to some of the repairs that you would want them to. But you can see they've got potential. And so then having them come into your company you work out how much you'd spend on training, what that cost would be, and then work out what your business can afford and then bringing them into your business. But I think, yeah, I think it's about just getting the right fit for the right garage and not turning friends into enemies. If there's, you know, I think there there is a lot to be said for that loyalty. And um, if they're sending you business and you're helping them, I would um, be very cautious to not take staff from them how do you avoid getting into a bidding war with another business if you lead your recruitment process talking about salary i I would say you're walking into a bidding war you you've made the main selling point money you've attracted somebody that's mostly motivated by money and so that's what they will be having conversations with their current employer about and will be setting you up for a bidding war. My advice to people when they offer a job and a salary to be really confident about what they're offering. 
um, and to communicate that to the employee that we've thought about this you know this is a well-measured salary we are offering you this this is our only offer um but that's a general rule and i would hate for somebody to not keep or not get a great employee for the sake of 500 quid but the counter argument of that is if you were a good match you wouldn't be having a bidding war unless it is all about money. If you're, and again, this is you're entering into this. If you do bonus schemes and things like that, your if your language is money and your motivator is just money, then you are going to be in a bidding war. So you know, buckle up and manage it the best you can. But if you have a business that's more about the way that we work, how it feels to be here, what we're passionate about, this is how we treat our customers, then generally. Um, you are not going to get into a bidding war because you've already they already want the job. They want to come and work for you. They want that job offer. And if and you should be having conversations about salary expectations anyway in the interview process, so that you then know when you go to do that job offer, you're pretty confident that they are going to want it. You suggest not to lead on salary, but what about when it comes to the job advert? Should you include the salary here? Yeah, straight away, definitely. And have a, a range, but no more than £4,000 in that range. That's my general advice. And the yeah, I think try and make it in the 30s, you know, rather than 29 up to try and get into 30 and then, you know, 4000 up from that. It's difficult to recruit, so you need to give yourself some flexibility. Um, but if you are going for the the highest, you know, if you're going off the charts on your salary, that will not make your recruitment process any easier. We have done recruitments for technicians on 50K, and it was n- no way the, the healthiest recruitment we've had because people just see 50k and why is it 50,000 what are you offering and the the type of person that was attracted it wasn't but they didn't know anything we did it as a um almost a bit of an experiment really but they didn't we didn't disclose anything about the garage just the salary and location so obviously we weren't sharing any personal qualities about the garage um and it just it wasn't a, a healthy recruitment process whereas if you put a a more sensible salary that's um you've compared what the market is offering you know what you can sustain you need to bear in mind that there may be absences that there will be pay rises next year there will be inflation as minimum wage goes up everybody else's wage goes up you don't push yourself to what you can barely afford use alex's profit and loss calculator make sure you are really comfortable and give yourself some wiggle room with what that salary is What's the bare minimum that you ought to be doing when it comes to HR? So my general rule is to start with one hour a month where you um, are away from work, you're not interrupted, whether it's at home, whatever, where you are just looking at how are your staff doing and how are they? Are they taking all their annual leave? What's their absence like? Have I done that thing that I said that I would do? So start building the habit of one hour a month. That's what you're going to focus on. And then you make it one hour a fortnight, one hour a week. And then when you get to a point where one hour every week, you're looking at your staff, you then add 20 minutes onto that. And ideally, you want to get to the point where 
you have got into a habit where it's about you protecting the time for them then everything else follows in nicely. So we've got training coming up on one-to-ones if people want help with that. We can recommend books. We've done blogs on it. There's all sorts of things that we can drip feed you into. But actually, the first thing, if you're new to this, the first thing is just thinking about what am I doing behind the scenes? What can I be doing? Having a look at, you know, are they struggling to keep their workstation tidy? Okay, what can we do about that? Is there, you know, what's their break room like? That's quite important to a lot of staff. Um, and so, yeah, just getting into the habit, starting one hour a month, which will be hard for some people, um, and then building up. And once you've then started creating the time as a habit, then you can start looking at what are you measuring and then be working to... And in a couple of months, you're then at the point where you're sitting down with your staff and having conversations with them. But you're confident, you're comfortable, you're relaxed because you've been doing the background work and you know that this is a habit that's here to stay. When it comes to performance reviews, what exactly should we be reviewing? It depends. Um on what you want to be looking at in the business, um, whether it's the level of professionalism, if it's um, about training and development, what's important to you in your business. If you're looking at specialising, what has everybody got to do to get you to that point? What, and it's about um, understanding what is that job doing for the business. It's not just about responding to the demand of the customer. What are they doing to reach your business targets, financially, growth, professionalism, whatever aspect it is. But when you come to having conversations with staff, it needs to, rather than a list of here's 15 things that you could be improving on, you just look at what one tweak would have the biggest impact. If we just could get that one thing improved, then you know it was it would have all of these other benefits in the business so you have that conversation with them and you discuss it you explain the benefits the impact of that how that one just you doing that one thing differently i believe as a business owner would have all of these benefits and then support them in making that tweak and then it becomes a habit and it's a new way and everybody has leveled up then you go right next tweak so just think of it as tweaks not his this long to-do list of things that could be improved and it really it's hard for the boss because then you've got to really think you've got to be selective and go this is the thing that will make the biggest impact so it is it's harder but it's better for retention I imagine it's hard not to take things personally when you own an independent business so having done all you can to keep your staff happy I guess it can be really difficult to receive a resignation, particularly if it's from someone that was seemingly happy in their role. Yeah, yeah, it is. And even just taking staff on is a big thing. So then to have gone through all of that and then for the employee to leave, and especially when it's your own business, it is it does feel personal. Um, and that's why you just got to look at it as a learning opportunity. What can we take from this? And what can we do moving forward? And it might be that the person, you know, that could be what's best for everybody. You you, you do just have to roll with it. But I think the when somebody resigns, I would bet a fair bit of money that um, the, the employer um, main concern is the diary. 
the work that's booked in for that person and that they had plans for that person being on the ramp and all the all the front of house that you know they you know you can't have staff and not plan in some way what you're going to be doing with that that staff you know where, where they're going to be going what they're going to be what you your business could be doing because you see the turnover your profit and loss and you want that to always go in a healthy direction so yeah then when somebody says that they're leaving everything house has to drop you're then thinking well this work's booked in what's that going to look like and then it's okay well how do we um replace that vacancy it's harder to recruit the way that you used to recruit. You, you've got to evolve. You've got to get on social media. You've got to um, be joining in with local events. You've got to be talking to the parts person. You may need agencies. You may need Indeed. There's all of these other factors that you can't just put in a few lines up saying that you want a level three between twenty five and thirty five thousand twenty days holiday plus bank holidays. Technicians aren't going to budge for that they're not going to pick up their phone for that you've got to really sell what's personal about your garage and that's the best thing that's why I love working with independent garages because they've all got their own personality and that's what you've really got to shout about and if you don't want to shout about it then that's that's your personality and so find people that don't want to be shouty they want to be low-key you know it's all about playing to what's unique about your business what should a garage do in that position? How should they manage that crisis? You need a plan of action for, you know, in case of emergency, break glass, this is what we do. And everybody needs to know that's what happens. If you are in that situation and you've not got a plan, you don't know what to be doing, you've just got to make note of what you're struggling with in that process you know what work can be cancelled you've got to protect your staff well a HR person is going to say this but you've got you I would say the staff are more important than the customers and giving the staff the confidence to be able to rearrange the diary and move, spread that work out as best as you can because the when somebody leaves everybody is heightened Everybody is watching how you manage a situation and you want to be calm, organised, structured. Okay, we were prepared for this. This is the lifeboat situation rather than swearing or being, you know, frustrated about the situation and not keeping a cool head about it because then your staff have got double stress. Somebody's left and the boss is frustrated about it so I would say to everybody listening just work out what you're in case of emergency if somebody resigns what is the plan um so that if that situation happens you then know what you're activating to keep it as calm as possible Jennifer thanks so much for chatting with us today we are sadly running out of time so if there's just one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from this conversation what would it be I would say Hire slow, fire fast. A lot of people are doing it the other way around. They want to hire really quickly and they will have an employee that they know isn't right for the company. And if there wasn't a staffing crisis, that employee would not be in the company. And they go through a really slow process of getting to a point where terminating the contract. So I would actually say hire slow, start way before, start thinking today, whether you are looking to recruit or not, 
always be thinking about what are you doing, putting the feelers out, building the culture, making sure that you're working on the retention. But then as soon as something's not right, you act on it. Jennifer Webb of HR Vitals, thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Pleasure. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks also to you for listening to The Blend Podcast. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to the podcast in your usual podcast player to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes. We'll be back with another very soon.